everybody. Welcome to uh, Fuel Radio. On the line with me today is actually Mike Wilson and Rod Clapton. They're both members of the BC Federation of Drift Fishers. That's the BC FDF. Did I get that right? You bet. <laughs> yeah, right on. And uh, Rod is the president of the BC Federation of Drift Fishers. And if you've been following along in the news or just know things about our environment and our rivers, you know, fish stocks seem seem to be uh, not what they once were here on the on the west coast and and on the Fraser River in particular is probably what we'll mostly be focusing on today. But anyways, thank you guys for joining me today. It's it's great to great to chat with you. Pleasure to be here. It's a Rod, pleasure to be here and have somebody that actually knows what they're talking about with us today, which would be Rod Clapton. So I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to listen and learn right along with you, Rod. Okay. We might have some questions for you too along the way, Mike. But. Fair enough. <laughs> so Rod, just before we get into some of the issues that, that we're facing, could you share with us just your, your background? Like what, how did you get into fishing in the first place? Okay. Uh, my Similar to many other people, I guess, and my, my father got me introduced to fishing when I was very young, probably six, seven years old. And uh, that continued into my even into my teen years where I would often pedal my bike, particularly preteen, pedal my bike down to the Patella Bridge and sit down there and drown a worm in the Fraser River. And uh, I guess that's where the passion started. And here we are many, many, trust me, years later, and it's still a passion. And uh, I guess the reality is, uh, particularly in the last number of years, the situations we have and the problems we have now are really no different than they were 10 or 15 years ago. If anything, unfortunately, they're just the problems have been more extreme now than they were before in relation to fish stocks, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So we, our organization, I'll just tell you briefly a little bit about it. We started almost 25 years ago now, and uh, there really wasn't a, a voice. We call ourselves the voice of the river angler. Prior to that, there really wasn't a group per se that represented our method of angling, which we call it drift fishing. Uh, very simply for your listeners, there's three types of fishing. There's stationary fishing, fishing, sitting on, in, a, in a lawn chair beside the Fraser River. There's fly fishing, which of course is an art to itself. And there's what we call drift fishing, where as opposed to being stationary or fly fishing only, we use other gear and we wander the river or we fish from boats. Uh, etc. It's, it's a, quite a distinct type of fishing. So no one was representing us. We got together a number of years ago. Uh, I should say that I was the president 25 years ago. Here I am still president. Some would suggest that there must have been a frontal lobotomy that took place somewhere, somewhere there, the fact that I am still president. <laughs> so we've attempted to represent a segment of, uh, of the fishery, but we're also inclusive. I mean, we have virtually from every type of fishing, we have members within our organizations because preservation of the species is just as important as the fishing opportunity, probably more important. Suffice to say, if we didn't have fish, we didn't don't look after a fish, we're not gonna have our fisheries. Yeah, yeah, it's such a difficult balance, isn't it? You, you, want, you want a fish, but you have to preserve, the, the preservation of the stock is, mm -hmm, is mm -hmm. so important as well. What, when you formed this group, what sort of, um, what, what was the impetus 
towards that? What were some of the problems that were that created the formation of the group, or why why did you form? Primarily due to the, due to the fact that there was other organizations uh, like to suggest perhaps a bit elitist that felt that their method of fishing was the be all end all, and everybody else should get in line with them, and that just got certainly got the me uh up in arms a little bit and a number of other people and we that's when we decided we had to have a voice that was more inclusive of not just our type of fishing but inclusive of all types of fishing so that generated the formation of the bc federation of drift fishers and was there it seems like the need today is that someone needs to be the voice of all those all those groups and all those different types of people who like to fish very much so and that trust me, has been a challenge over the years. Yeah. Uh, I, I personally have been involved in and tried to organize at least three different alliances, provincial alliances representing all the different fishing organizations. And I actually tried it again here recently. And uh, to say it's like herding cats would be an understatement. It, it just, uh, nature of the beast, it just seems that people, fisher, fishers, can't call them fishermen, fishers, are extremely individualistic. They like to do their own thing. They don't really want to get involved. All they want to do is go fishing, et cetera, et cetera. So it's been a real challenge to put it bluntly. And yet it seems like there's, from my conversations with Mike, uh, it seems like there's a real need for someone to be the voice or for, you know, like who does the government go and speak to? Who Who negotiates on behalf of all of the fishers? And it, it seems like um, the fishers are the, sort of the low people on the totem pole, like the, the, um, the, the commercial fishery or the indigenous fishery or, or people who fish in those groups seem to have the high, it, it seems like there's a bit of a, a pecking order. So, yeah. You could, really get, you could really get me going on that one, but I, Let's just put it this way. Yes, I think you you have summed it up. In relation to the commercial fishery, not not quite so much, because the commercial fishery really is just a shadow of its former self. Mm. And a lot of the commercial fishery over the last number of years has been taken over by uh, First Nation fishers. The sports fishery, which is which is really interesting, um, the sport fishery in British Columbia contributes one point one billion dollars a year to the provincial economy. One point one billion. Wow. Directly employs over 9,000 people. Hmm. That's the economic value. Yeah. You know, the heritage value, the social value, we, we like to suggest is priceless because it is something that, as I mentioned, I learned as a child. I've got my, my, my son into fishing. I'm getting my grandchildren into fishing. It's an incredibly wonderful experience you teach your teach your kids and the proverbial i guess one of the quotes wasn't a quote from the bible that you can uh, you can uh, give a man a fish and feed him for a day or teach him to fish and feed him for a lifetime exactly yeah yeah so yeah i, I mean i can see that being important from a heritage perspective i mean you started out talking having this really wonderful story about going down to riding your bike down to the port man and then um, wanting to pass, you know, I'm sure wanting to pass that on to your kids and to your grandkids. And stuff. Actually, there wasn't any poor man at that time. It was only the Patella Bridge. Oh, wow. The Patella. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go back even further. Yeah. <laughs> Just getting back to your, your, your comment, Rod, uh, regarding 
our pecking pecking order priority in the in the eyes of the decision makers. Mm -hmm. As I mentioned, a commercial fishery is is pretty well. It's not that not much not much of a priority anymore per se. Okay. Our fishery contributes, as I mentioned, tremendous dollars and tremendous social value. And then, of course, there's the indigenous fishery, which we recognize, and we've stated this constantly, that we, we recognize the constitutional priorities of First Nations. And that, that is entrenched in the Constitution. We accept that. The concern that we have is that we feel that we are not, and it's been demonstrated, we are not getting the recognition of our fishery, our rights to fish, our allocation of fish stocks is not being considered, not being granted. And that's the the biggest problem we currently have and the biggest challenge we have at this time is getting our rights recognized and getting an equitable allocation of fish stocks to the public fishery, which we represent. So just practically, what was it like this year and last year? You know, were you able to well, fish on the Fraser? Yeah, we're talking primarily Fraser River. Now we we yeah. are, a, a, the BCFDF is a provincial organization, but today sure. we're talking about the Fraser River. Yeah, It's been absolutely abysmal. It's been, we feel that we have been shut out of the fishery for the last two years, probably almost going on three years, where we have been, denied the right or the opportunity to even fish in the summer on the Fraser River, which means that grandpa who wants to take his grandkids fishing on the Fraser River could not go fishing this summer on the Fraser River. I mean, that's absolutely criminal as far as we're concerned. Hmm. That is such a dereliction of responsibility on the part of, put it bluntly, DFO, Department of Fisheries and Oceans, who manage the fishery. Mm-hmm. Was it, and what's the reason given? Is it because of fish stocks and? Under the guise of fish stocks, yes. <laughs> I'm reading between the lines. You're not totally believing that one. <laughs> uh, no. Um, yeah. The Under the guise of concern for fish stocks. And yet we have demonstrated time and time again that we can fish what's called selectively target stocks that are relatively healthy and 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 totally avoid stocks of concern yet that's not accepted by the decision makers yeah it's i, I want to go back a little bit because when you're talking about the the dollar and the social value i i don't fish at, at all i i would love to but i just it's not, not something that has been passed down to me from my family i didn't grow up in the in the exactly. fishing family but one time we did go to the west coast of Vancouver Island and, you know, we hired guides and my brother was there and my brother brought a friend and one of my dad's friends came with his sons. And, you know, I'll, it was a memory that I'll remember for the rest of my life. And it had all of those elements that you're talking about. You know, it was exactly. wonderful socially um, and uh, it, economically. I mean, we rented, we had three or four boats that we Mm-hmm. went out on for four or five days, you know, and then it gave us fish. We came home with halibut and salmon for that lasted a whole year, you know? So uh, that, that's only, that's been my only experience with what you're talking about, but it sure was a wonderful one. And, and um, Mike, I know Mike, I know Mike's going on these trips all the time as well. 
And I guess probably part of the problem is those trips are expensive. I mean, not everybody can uh, afford to do those kinds of things. So, but then if you can't fish locally, then you basically, and you can't afford to go on one of those trips, you basically can't fish. Mike can certainly concur and he's done it. I mean, uh, often the relationship between father and sons can be tenuous at times, without a doubt. We know that. I've said many, many times the the opportunity, my, my son now is, what is he now, 40, 41 years old. Many times I've said that the best relationships, the best bonding time that I've ever had with my son is when him and I just a simple get in the car, drive up to the Chilliwack River, spend the day fishing. I can get I can get more out of him and we can communicate better than at any other time. And that really demonstrates how important the the, the potential bonding experience is something like fishing, simple, inexpensive. It's not the fancy trip you talked about with the boats. Half a tank of gas, go up to the river and go fishing. Yeah, cool. I, I think Mike wants to comment on that. Yeah, I, I'd throw in on that too. I mean, I, uh, I met Rod many, many years ago when he was a young man. <laughs> <laughs> That's a long time, eh, Mike? It yeah. is a long time. I was the young man too. How's your, how's uh, your golf game? But exactly. The, uh, you know, the experiences that we've had over the years fishing as friends and as a small group of fishers, you know, uh, you know, I was, I was brought into that type of fishing, you know, when I was relatively young, you know, certainly not a kid, but I was fortunate to meet through family with the, the group of people that were there originally the Coast Steelheaders, which was an incredible group of people that fished together as families. And we spent time on the river as families, young families, whether it would be the Vetter River, the, the years, there were many years when we would fish for broodstock on the Squamish rivers and work with the fisheries to get the broodstock for their, their program. But the point Rod made is so, so true. I don't know how many times now that I've taken some time with my son where we've gone up to the river and we have a great conversation that happens pretty much every time we go to the river. And that is, it's, wonderful to be able to go up on the river catching a fish is going to be something that's going to be a bonus but we're looking forward to actually the experience of being on the river and being able to fish and i think you know that those are the times when he and i spend uh really great quality time just talking about stuff that you never talk about in your day-to-day time it's just Mm -hmm. it's, it's a it's an opportunity to have those conversations that you just wouldn't have in the normal time and you know the point that i would add to that as i've already sort of said is it's not just about catching a fish. It's about being in the, the the natural setting and actually casting that line out there, being in the fresh air, taking a look at your setting and enjoying the river for its beauty, or whether it's the bald eagles that are flying over our head or whether it's the fish that's on the line that you may not even catch. But the reality is, is that there's always that, uh, that excitement to be up there. And then the conversation that's built along with that. Uh, we spent many, many years fishing in the uh, BC and camping and campfires and, and social with friends and family and lots of kids and uh, lots of dogs and all sorts of things. So, uh, you know, I've been blessed to be a part of that. And uh, Rod uh, has always been a part of that because of the fact that that's how we met. And we've got lots of great stories, but it can't be under stated how important this can be socially uh, to be able to do that kind of uh, thing. It's 
you know, uh, being able to fish as opposed to having the kids that are on their phones. You know, we, you know, these are the things that we, we took for granted years ago. Now the kids nowadays don't realize just the beauty of some of these places. And we really want to have them out on the rivers and getting into nature and seeing the beauty of it. And, but you got to let them out there. You know, we have to have the access. So uh, I, I've loved it. I continue to love it. And, uh, you know, Rod and I are never going to be good golfers. But uh, <laughs> when you're a fisherman, you, you know, fishermen know how to lie about the size of their fish. You can make it whatever you want. You can't lie about your golf game, but you can't lie about the fish size. So um, that would be my thing that, that I get. I totally agree with Rod is that uh, it's, you know, there's – one of those few places that you can actually have that great conversation that you may not have elsewhere. Yeah. Awesome. So Rod, the last, it sounds like the last few years have been really challenging and you haven't been able to fish on, on the Fraser. Where do you think things are going and is there any light at the end of the tunnel or any, any solutions that you can think of? Well, we, we, we've accepted the fact, as I mentioned earlier, that, uh, it's imperative that we work with our First Nations brothers. We have made a sincere attempt over the last particular three to four years to negotiate, or negotiate is not a good word, to consult directly with a number of First Nations mans, particularly in the Fraser River, recognizing that our goals to preserve the fishery for our children and grandchildren are mirrored by their goals. Everybody wants the same thing. We want to have more fish. We want to ensure that they are there for our children and grandchildren so they can experience just what Mike and I have been talking about. Uh, unfortunately, with the current political climate and current particular federal government, it appears there might be a little too much weighing toward one sector as opposed to another. And I'm not going to get into any more details than that because our concern, our argument, our fight, call it what you like, is not with First Nations people. It's with the current government that fails to recognize our rights and our entitlement to an allocation to species. We've tried negotiations with, with, the, uh, with the government. We have current negotiations, consultation going on with First Nations, which are very helpful. And I should mention, that's public fishery to First Nations. Government's not even in the room on those talks. That's a separate issue. And we've developed a lot of respect and a lot of, uh, I think willingness to go forward in some of these goals. Our biggest issue is with the government. We have tried to negotiate with them. There are various advisory boards we sit on, uh, outside uh, think tanks, et cetera, et cetera. And the reality is we are not getting very far with them. And this is, and this is coming direct from Ottawa. Some extremely good people that work for DFO locally here and in the province of BC, and they're great people. Our, our uh, fight is with is not with them. We're not going to shoot the messenger. Our problem is, is with the government of the day and their failure to adequately manage the species for all Canadians. We are at the point now, particularly with what's happened the last couple of years with total closures on the Fraser River and potential closures on other areas in the province, we, are, we have retained, through the public fishery, we have retained uh, legal counsel, and we are looking at various legal options and how we're going to retain this fishery. Someday in the foreseeable future, this may make, may make it to the Supreme Court of Canada for the highest court of the land to rule on our rights, our allocation, 
our opportunity. That's where we're at now. Yeah, it's interesting. As you were speaking, I was, I, I don't know the law, but I was just thinking this almost sounds like something that it's one of those issues that you hear about in the news that could actually go all the way to the to the Supreme Court. This has that potential, and that's yeah. probably one of the few avenues, very, very expensive avenue, but one of the few avenues left to us to ensure that my son is going to be able to take his son fishing in the future. Well, yeah, just the way you've described it, it sounds like it's, it's an important thing for our social fabric and 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 that sort of thing, is, and, and people being denied their rights, essentially, uh, is what I hear you saying. So just, yeah, Sorry. go ahead. I was going to say, it's really highlighted right now in our cur current COVID restrictions, which, of course, as we're speaking here today, are getting progressively worse, unfortunately, this pandemic. It's been recognized that outdoor recreation, fishing, great for social distancing. Usually it's family members, wear masks, it were, were required, obviously. I don't think you need a mask when you're standing on the river, probably, out in the fresh air. But it's accepted, along with other sports such as golf, as, as acceptable in this time of pandemic restrictions. So all the more reason it should be promoted. It, it should not be curtailed. We should not be stopped from ability to go fishing. We should be encouraged to uh, continue activities like that. Mike, you got any final thoughts or questions for Rod? No, I think, uh, you know, I'm fortunate. I, I'm in touch with Rod on a regular basis. And, you know, as I said to you before we talked to Rod is, you know, he's a wealth of information and understands the dynamics of the whole thing. And I'm probably not very politically, you know, in, in, in that loop of it. But I think the greatest point about it is, and it's, uh, you know, I've got grandkids too. And I think that the, the, the fight is to make sure that there is a, the ability for us to pass this on to the generations to come. And we're really fortunate that Rod has taken up the charge, as he said, for 25 years. Um, and, um, you know, it's a, it's a long, it's a long haul. And I think, uh, you know, it's not over. Hopefully we can come to some sort of clarity and some, uh, you know, some meetings of the minds at some point here. It doesn't feel sometimes like that's going to happen, but uh, you know, these are long struggles and, I also, you know, I, I think maybe Rod, one of the things that we could cap off with would be how can people get involved with the BC Federation of Drift Fishers? You know, in the previous years, we did lots of things like banquets for fundraising so that we could continue to, to, uh, to have access to whatever it was needs wise for us to, to grow the, the sport and protect the sport and hopefully have privilege to fish in the, or, or our rights to fish on the rivers. But, you know, there are ways for people to get involved and it is tough to sort of get all the cats wrangled. But the fact of the matter is, is that BC Federation of Drift Fishers is a great venue or an avenue for people to get involved. And maybe Rod could kind of kind of cap that off as, more eloquently or probably more directly than I can. But, uh, you know, it's a uh, it's a shame that we're at a place where we are right now. And, you know, I wish. Uh, I wish for us to all find some common ground on it so that we can pass it along. And in the meantime, uh, you know, we just have to be thankful for people like Rod that are actually stepping up uh, and Rod's not alone. I mean, I, there's a lot of great people that are involved in the process that are working from different avenues and it takes a lot of great people to get to where we want to go. Sure. And um, so I'm recognizing Rod obviously because 
I do uh, some work with Rob, but I know there's some fantastic people that are involved in different avenues. And it's not just the Fraser River. You know, we are talking about the heritage of BC fishing. And so there's lots of fabulous rivers and, and stories to go along with those as far as conservation and fishing on it. But uh, I want to thank Rod too for taking the time. I know he gets to, a lot of people want to have his time for, for conversation. And I think just anytime we can get the information out there, it's a really, uh, it's an important step in the process. So. Good. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I uh, certainly concur with what you're saying, Mike, that there are a number of organizations province wide and a lot of very, very good people that are committed to preserving our fisheries. Uh, our organization, uh, I, I believe, is involved in virtually all of the different consultative boards, uh, different uh, options available to try and promote the fishery. And, and we are, and being a provincial organization with chapters in Vancouver Island, Skeena Country, Thompson area, et cetera, it does give us a, a fair bit of clout, I'd suggest, but certainly there are many, many, many other organizations that are very good as well. I think the real flashpoint right now is is the Fraser River, and I'll just sort of close it off and talking about the Fraser because it's what's happening in the Fraser River, especially with our lack of fishing opportunities and closures, has been really is really being viewed by other areas of the province. Okay, what are you guys doing in the Fraser? Whatever we accomplish here, obviously, could be mirrored in other areas in the province as well. So this is sort of the the test ground, if you want to call it here, the flashpoint, whatever. And our organization, all of that information is on our website. And if you want to know more about our organization, it's very simply bc, bcfdf.com. That'll put you onto our site, put you onto our uh, Facebook information as well. And all our details and uh, all our efforts are shown, are shown on the website. We're also affiliated, this is important, we're affiliated with the Fraser River Sport Fishing Alliance. And the BCFDF was instrumental in getting that up and running. The Fraser River Sport Fishing Alliance is, as the word, as the name implies, an alliance of organizations and individuals directly concerned about the Fraser River. And if you Google Fraser, if you Google BCFDF.com or the Fraser River Sport Fishing Alliance, give you a wealth of information of what's currently happening. And certainly, uh, we, we encourage you to join our organization and the information is on the website. The costs are minimal, it's $20 a year. And that gives you, it gives you a voice. In, in, individually, we're ignored. Collectively, we are heard. And that's what the Voice of the River Anglers is about the BCFDF. Excellent. Well, thank you guys for joining me today. If people want to look up some of those links, if you're listening on iTunes or some other platform. We'll have those links in, in our show notes. And uh, I just want to add too that uh, Mike is, uh, a, his website is uh, Fraser Valley Lifestyle. And uh, we'll probably post this interview there as well. So if you want to check out and see what Mike's up to, he's got this wonderful website that is kind of, a, I see it as a advocacy for the Fraser Valley and for uh, things that, events in the Fraser Valley, organizations like this in the Fraser Valley, and also and his his real estate business as well. So you can check out and find out more about Mike there. So yeah, thanks again, guys. This has been a really cool conversation, really, really enlightening. I loved hearing about the the family stuff. You, you That was really heart, heartfelt stuff. I love that. So yeah, thank you. Thanks for both of you. Thanks, Rod, for coming out and Rod for, for 
taking the time to set this up for interview wise. And yeah, I mean, again, at any time we can advance what's good for, uh, for the future, it's a great thing. And that's what that phrase about lifestyle is about. It's, you know, how can we make this better for everybody? Nice meeting you, Rod. And Mike, we'll see you on the river. Eh? Uh, yes, so I will make sure I keep you in the loop when I find that. If you find the secret hiding spot, you let me know and vice versa. <laughs> no more secrets anymore. No more secrets. Thanks, guys. Okay, guys. Thank you. Take care. Okay, bye-bye.